0: Welcome back to Tag Team, everyone, the Pokemon TCG's premier podcasting duo. My name is J.W. Crewall, and today I'm joined by Rob Stevens of What's up, guys? the Heat Factory Podcast. Rob, how's it
1: going? Oh, man, I couldn't be feeling better. I'm excited here to talk Pokemon with you guys. How are you doing tonight?
0: I am doing quite well, yes. I uh, Let's see, I went over to our community garden, and they were having a kind of festival thing. I don't yeah. really know. Like they do these kind of events every two or three months. And so this was a big event. So I went out and I got some some flatbread that they had at a food truck. And then I walked around the garden and saw the little kids. They were painting some pumpkins. That was real nice. And then, uh, let's see. They had a apple cider press. That was, I think, the hot ticket. That's that amazing. Was, that was pretty cool. So they they're pumping out, you know, putting the apples in and juicing them, squeezing them, getting the...
1: That's cider. A plus fall right there. Yeah, it was really good. Autumnal dream.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have like a favorite autumn activity that you just love to do?
1: You know, my kids love the the pumpkins, like all things pumpkins, but not in the way that like the the Instagram people do, but like the actual genuine, like going and getting the pumpkins and painting, lots of painting of the pumpkins. Um, I have three kids, so we're always looking for like little activities to do. It um, yeah. feels very crafty. Although I'm living down in Louisiana, and it is doesn't feel like fall. It's almost getting to where it just barely feels like fall here. It's incredibly hot. So, so uh, my favorite fall activity will be
0: not mowing the lawn. I think because it's so hot outside. Yes. Um, yes, for sure. When when does it get cold in Louisiana, or does it? Like, do you guys have a cold season? I don't think. Nothing here compares to. I, I lived in Ohio for four
1: years, um, right. and nothing here compares to the winters there, even close. Um, I mean, the lowest it gets here is you know in the thirties. Sometimes uh, it snowed twice, three times in my memory, and and the snow. When I say it snowed, like a joke
0: of snow compared to what you guys get up there. So, well, I um, even think like Columbus is pretty chill. You know, compare yeah. it because I lived in Michigan and then I lived oh, in yeah. Cleveland. Yeah, and those are both on the water. And you just get pummeled with like the lake effect snow. And then Columbus, it feels like you only get snow, you know, maybe a week out of the out of the year, like, you know, interspersed, right? You'll get a day at a time, maybe like seven or eight days of, of actual snowfall. I don't know. My mom and dad
1: visited me one time in Ohio when I was living in, I was living in Canton and um, it was snowing about as bad as it ever snows there. And we were trying to drive up a hill and the car stalled on the hill. And I, I swear <laughs> to God, they almost just murdered me in that moment because they were just so afraid and had never driven in that. And just, you know, but they were troopers. We we turned around and we made it, we made it to church on time. So it was all good.
0: That's so epic. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. That rocks. So, so we are so happy to have you here. Um, I posted actually on Twitter a couple of weeks ago now. I was like, hey, if we were to do a collab, who, you know, what would we do? And, and I think it was Owen through the Twitter of the Heat Factory podcast. He's like, hey, we should we should join up sometime. And I he said, was
1: very proud of that moment. He said, hey, man, I got us on. I got us booked. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, classic. it's great. It's great. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Rob. And then also tell us about the heat factory podcast, which I find to be, um, a, a, a nice, you know, part of the Pokemon community. And if, you know, if our listeners haven't checked out the heat factory podcast, kind of tell them what they would be in for, uh, where they listen to listen to some episodes.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for the plug. We basically conceived of the heat factory podcast on the way to a regionals. Uh, I think it was a West Virginia regionals. Um, Oh, maybe it was the Jersey regionals. And we were on the way to Atlantic City and were uh, Owen and I were riding in the car and I said, and this is I think you guys started maybe just right before this, because I wasn't aware of Tag Team. I'm not sure if y'all had started at this point, but I said, Owen, oh, you know what the Pokemon community really needs? Like a consistent podcast. <laughs> and um, and both both tag team and heat factory started right about similar time.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah, and um and since then, we've just been having a lot of fun. Our, I think our podcast um, would, like, compliment Tag Team in a way. You guys talk about a lot about the meta and stuff. We do we do a little more, like, interviews, um, some behind the scenes of the game. So we've done things like interview a judge uh, mm-hmm. who, uh, like, AJ Schumacher has come on and talked about putting together a League Cup. And we've interviewed and, – and occasionally we talk about the meta and things like that. Um, I, I – particularly pride myself and enjoy doing interviews. So that's a big part of the podcast and, um, and, you know, try to do some kind of different things, uh, behind the scenes, uh, how to create content, how to, um, buy and sell cards, that kind of thing, but yeah. also about the competitive scene.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I would say it's a little more, you know, scripted, right. There have been yeah. some kind of like history yeah. episodes that are, that are really yeah. interesting and, uh, um, yeah. I mean, definitely something that you should check out now. Talk to us a little bit about that, like consistency. I, I would love to know kind of what, what kind of, um, struggles that you guys have. Cause I know Riley and I have, you know, some struggles like, you know, right now Riley's not here cause he's working, uh, um, right. you know, yeah. so talk to us a little bit about the, the struggle behind creating a podcast.
1: So when, when I first started, we both, I live in Canton and, and Owen lives about, I don't know, like 45 minutes away from where I live. Mm-hmm. So we were doing it live in person, like together in the same room. Oh,
0: sweet. And
1: then, uh, within, I think, six months of us starting the podcast, I, I realized that me and my family were going to ha- move to Louisiana for a number of reasons. So that made it incredibly hard. One of the big struggles for us and something that makes it hard to do it regularly that we are just starting to really solve is that Owen works really early in the morning and I'm a night mm-hmm. owl. And, and just that difference is huge. And I'm also an hour ahead of you guys, right? So you're, right. you're Eastern time, I'm Central time. And so I get home at about six o'clock your time, sometimes later than that, sometimes more like seven. And Owen goes to bed at like eight or nine, which doesn't leave a whole lot of time, uh, which is why I'm going to call Owen out right now. Love Owen. Wish he was here, (laughs) but he's probably sleeping, Um, probably has this on 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 his pillow next to him. That's what I like to imagine right
0: now. Yeah. Remind me. Remind me what Owen does, because you are in the library system. Yeah, I'm a library. library. I am a librarian.
1: Uh, I do like outreach, social media, all that kind of stuff for a library. Uh, Owen does work in like surveying. So Owen, actually, if you give him a map of your house, like on Google Maps, he can go on Google Earth and like tell you which way all your wires run and like your telephone poles work and all that kind of stuff. He does a lot of that kind of work. It's really interesting stuff. And he's been doing that for a long time now. Um, Yeah. Does a really good job. But because of that, I think he has to wake up early. Sometimes he has to travel around to uh, like sites and that sort of thing. Oh, um, sure. And Owen, don't kill me if I'm describing your job. Not right. But I think that's what <laughs> Owen does. You know, so, yeah. well, That's great.
0: That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the Heat Factory podcast going well. Uh, you know, you've been running for about three years now, I, I think. Right. That if we yeah. started at about the same time then that. Yeah, that maybe would sense. maybe a little
1: less than that. But like, yeah. And, and it's been a little on and off. We're getting back into it. We released an episode last week and we got an episode coming up on um how to prep your, uh, your TCG account for the transition over to TCG live. So that's
0: extremely important. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be definitely must uh, must listen material for a lot of players. Um, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about yourself now in the sphere of the Pokemon trading card game, you know, how long you've been playing, what maybe yeah. have been some successes or, you know, challenges or, or whatever it is that you want to share about yourself within the Pokemon TCG background.
1: So I am, like, in some ways an OG Pokemon or TCG player, and in some ways I'm not. In that I played when I was a kid. Uh, Right when the game came out, I had base set stuff. You know, I was looking for, like, Blastoise and Charizard back when they were coming out when I was, you know, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. (laughs) Uh, Played one tournament when I was a kid and did really well. Um, and it wasn't a sanctioned tournament, it was just, like, at a local store. And then got made fun of it for in high school and, uh, stopped playing, which is kind of a sad story. Except for that then, when I moved, uh, to Ohio, as I was moving, a friend of mine was like, yeah, you still have your own Pokemon cards? And we pulled it out and started playing, and I was like, I wonder what the scene's like now. Yeah. And Ohio, as you know, is, like, one of the best places to live in the world for Pokemon.
0: It, it might be yeah best. like i i would venture to say it, it's one of yeah the, like if not the best place
1: for sure yeah i i agree 100 percent. and so kind of just walked into the epicenter of pokemon fell in love with it it became my community in ohio
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and my highlight was not my first year but my second year playing i made it to worlds um and that was the year that i played in a tournament um that was pre-worlds and i played buzzwall garbador uh like baby buzz guard before kind of anybody was playing it and that deck kind of took off and that was that was like my biggest accomplishment was that year making it to worlds having a deck that i made like kind of enter the meta and lots of people made lots of better changes to the deck that i did but it, if nothing else i was like one of the first people to pilot it at a tournament and do well sure sure um and then i've had lots of sort of like top uh like day 2 finishes and and stuff um mm-hmm. but that was my biggest accomplishment and worlds look if you make it to worlds anybody who does when i made it to worlds uh our 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 common friend Otto walked up to me and he was like, you made it, man. Like he put his, it was like, I was being knighted by, Otto. it was amazing. <laughs> um, you know, like you did it. good.
0: It's definitely a big, you know, accomplishment, especially like your first time. Right. Yes. Like yeah, that's definitely. always, it's kind of relieving in a way. Right. Because you, you have to do a lot of planning ahead. Yeah for that invitation. And we'll, we'll talk about this later. Actually, this is going to be sure. second half of the podcast, but uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. So it's, it's really a special moment, especially that first time. Yeah. So um, yeah. So you have a family, beautiful family, some I kids. Do. I have three uh, children. Uh, okay.
1: Tallulah is seven. So, you know, Tallulah is very right now into like the, the gender stereotypes. Like, the, okay. like she doesn't want to wear a Batman mask because she says it's a boy mask. Mm-hmm. So, might have a little trouble getting her into the game, but I have a lot of hope for my other two kids, Loyola and Rook, who are uh, five and two and uh, Rook's my youngest and he's definitely going to play. He's hundred percent going to play. He doesn't actually doesn't have an option. It's like your mom sending you piano lessons. With your <laughs> kid. That's going to be, you know, what's going on in the house. So
0: that's right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's uh, how, uh, as you're saying your children's names, how did you come up with your children's names? As an uh, aside. <laughs> so, no, no,
1: they're, they're unusual names. Um, my name is Rob Stevens, which uh-huh. so I didn't want any kid to have a name where you go and look at yourself on Facebook and there's like 800 other, no, mm. no offense to my parents. My named after my dad. But so um, my, my, kind of me and Jackie took turns, Jackie, my wife, took turns picking um, the name sort of and, and making sure the other one agreed. So Tallulah is just a name that we like. There's not any sort of significance other than we love the sort of musicality of it. Um, and it just was the one of the first names we agreed upon, so we went with it. Jackie came up with it. Uh, Loyola. I I was raised Catholic, and Catholic being Catholic is a big part of my history. And so there's a Saint Ignatius of Loyola. I just mm-hmm. like the word, I like the sound and history. And Rook, um, my brother's Twitch tag is, uh, and like gaming tag is Righteous Rook. And we were gonna name him after my brother. I wanted to name him Sean, but my wife was like, I don't super love that name. And she jokingly said, Why don't we name him Rook after your brother's gaming tag? not thinking it would become a thing. Um, and then it was a thing. I was like, yes, that's exactly what we're going to do.
0: That's so um, so epic. Yeah.
1: So we've taken lots of pictures of him with chess pieces and
0: I'm, (laughs) I'm a chess enthusiast. so um, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I see, I got into chess a little bit or like I had a roommate over pandemic that was really into chess. So I got into like, you know, so I know like, you know, the Botez sisters and like um, sure. Anna Cramling and yeah. Gotham chess and like. Well, and all, all that, that stuff
1: really blew up over the pandemic. Too. I know. You know yeah. That, lots of those hobbies. You know, I think, JW, you and I have a lot of common interests: Pokemon, board gaming, chess. Uh, I'm also a musician. Uh, I'm I, not as accomplished as you are on the bassoon, but, but, a, but a musician, <laughs> nevertheless.
0: And, you know, you like books. I have yeah. also read books. before. So I think, (laughs) I think, I think, you know, there could be more opportunities for us to, you know, at least hang out and like grab a beer sometime. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. I would love that. That's awesome. So good. All right. So let's talk now about a little bit more about the Heat Factory podcast. So you're a fellow, you know, of course, content creator within the Pokemon sphere and, uh, you know, walked us through how it, how it all kind of started on that road trip, but what are some maybe, favorite episodes that you've done from your past that really stick out to you as being, you know, you mentioned a few AJ's uh, interview as a judge and you have you know maybe a few future projects coming up, but like, what's your favorite episode that you look back and you say, this is why I wanted to make this content.
1: Yeah. So two kind of come to mind. One is we did a podcast that was really kind of my idea. Um, and, and remember, I think I mentioned to you, I've that I'm the one who typically edits the podcast. Ours is not a live podcast. So, from an editing standpoint, we did a, a one where I called uh, top 10 players, uh, five top 10 players, and I did 10 minute interviews with each one of them. So, I called, I got in touch with Zach Lesage, Daniel Altavia, Isaiah Bradner, Grant Manley, and Azul. And I talked to each of them. Uh, one at a time for 10 minutes and asked them questions on how to get better at Pokemon and I stitched it together mm-hmm. and kind of from an editing and just from a like, that was an accomplishment, you know, to get in yeah. touch with all those guys, um, to, to make it seem like it was a, a holistic thing. Um, and just the advice that those players gave all in one spot was really, it was really amazing. I, I, I would... I actually was looking through as you you kind of brought this up like before the pod, like, hey, we're gonna talk about some favorite episodes. And I was like, man, I need to go listen to that episode again because it was a super fun process. Um and then the and then the other thing I mentioned I love doing is interviews, and we've done some great interviews. Um sure. I think interviewing Andrew Mahone, who for me has been someone I've kind of looked up to in the community um as a role model in terms of you know his content creation and his devotion to the game. And so we did a two-part interview with Andrew. Mm-hmm. um and that was just kind of a dream come true he was so gracious in it and he uh was really enlightening and it was just fun like it was just fun we we got to sit down in a room with him me owen um and andrew uh sitting uh in uh the tricky gem live basically yeah and nice talking to him and it was amazing so yeah. those two episodes i think were super fun we and we've done lots of lots of different things like you know stuff like what belongs behind paywalls, and we did an episode, uh, the Mew World Order story that was like an old Pokemon story. Yes, was super fun. Um, so so just a lot of really fun and interesting stuff. Like
0: that. yeah, yeah, and I think I, I really value that kind of perspective of like the long form content that's edited and and that you script and that's like very much research based in a lot of cases, and that's that's really um really valuable. You know, yeah. telling these stories, uh, in yeah. that way. Um, so looking forward you already mentioned, you know, your next episode, but is there anything that you see as kind of the future of the podcast, like where you want to go, what type of content you want to make, any other um, episodes that you want to make beyond, you know, kind of your next one that you're planning?
1: Yeah. So this is kind of funny because uh, I was, I got a message from Owen on uh, like messenger the other day and it was like, well, there goes our episode idea. And it was a picture of your tweet saying, um, great idea for content, um, (laughs) coaching, like evaluate coaches. One of the very first ideas that Owen had was to like anonymously get coaching and tell like 10 people we would do coaching with them and then get the coaching and then like do a review of the coaching, but only really review like the best ones. Not really talk. We did not want to talk badly about anybody. Um, and, and it would be an opportunity for those coaches to plug their coaching. That's a, that's like a dream episode. The amount of work to go into that is a lot. That's really long form. Um, yeah. But that's a dream for me. I want to do that episode. That's something I want to live up to. Uh, I've got another episode idea. I want to do... Um, a, I have an episode idea for... Uh, I have taken and made a spreadsheet of all of the, the Pokemon cards that have won world championships. Mm. Um, I'm, the slogan of Pokemon is to be the very best like no one ever was, or one of the slogans. Um, and I wanted to do an episode on like what, what Pokemon has won the most world championships. Um, and like, who who's been left off that list, and, and why? And so I thought that you know that's a really fun, just sort of take on the card game historical take, yeah. Um, and an opportunity to kind of, for me to dive into those world championship decks and think about like, man, why was that card good then, and and what does this say about the game now? And it's both backward and forward looking in a really fun way.
0: Yeah, I think so. And you look at kind of the history of Pokemon in terms of they definitely make certain cards way better than others you know for the most part like mew Mewtwo, like they're kind of like elevated right on the power level pedestal as opposed to your you know pincers or grimers or whatever right like there's just a a difference there so that would be that would be really interesting yeah i think it'd be fun
1: it's also interesting definitely your big names are like the expected ones that they are you know gardevoir those kind of things are winning Mm -hmm. but there are some like weird ones in there like ball toys Weirdly, like one world championships because there was like one card of it printed that spanned like three uh metas and mm-hmm. that just was in every deck or every winning deck, you know, in that time,
0: yeah. Um, and then there was, yeah, and I think it was played in like a uh, there was like a um, team magma. Did that also have,
1: like, I think so, yeah, yeah. So, um, and that's the type of card that now will come out and will hit for three energy for 10 damage, you know. But like, then <laughs> it was like, you know, it was a really amazing card, so
0: yeah, for sure, yeah. For sure. Cool. Um, what motivates you? You know, I am
1: really motivated by the product itself, uh, by producing something like, obviously the interactions we get with our fans motivates me. Um, and I think that motivates Owen a lot. Like, I don't want to speak too much on his behalf, but I think that's a big thing. He likes the, like, you know, he's, he's mostly who runs our heat factory Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, for me though, it's like, look at this little thing that I made, right? Like, look, so I'm a poet. Um, that's, I have like a PhD in poetry and I really love to craft poems. I like to make things. And for me, there's just beauty and like, man, I edited this episode. I went through and took out all of me and Owen's ums and uhs and and I stitched these things together and I made this into coherent products. And it's something that Owen and I have both taken pride in um, yeah. is that like, Look, like sometimes I just go through Anchor and like look at our episodes. I'm like, that's, you know, so it's, it's driving the content ahead in terms of like doing new stuff with content that maybe other creators aren't doing. Mm -hmm. It's certainly making stuff for an audience and having people listen to our podcast and consider us and being known is fun too. When people um, have said like, oh, and I'm sure you've had this experience, like you're playing against somebody and like, oh, you do the heat factory, like, or, you know, oh, you do tag team. And that's how they kind of know who you are. Um, but just making stuff for me is a huge motivator Um, and getting better at the game. It makes me think about the game in ways I hadn't before. It makes me, and I am super competitive at the game, like in terms of my attitude, you know, um, I don't always play super competitively, but I always feel super competitive.
0: I I am the same way. I'm just like, when I am playing, you know, when I, I kind of have like a, like a silly mode and like a serious mode, but when I'm in serious mode, you know, that is life or death. Like everything is about the game. Everything yeah. else shuts off, and I'm just right there.
1: Yeah, I, I've definitely seen that in in myself and in you, and lots of players. And I think you have to have that switch uh, because I've had you. I'm sure you've had this experience in games where you let your foot off the gas a little bit, thinking ah, I got this under control, mm-hmm. and then it just comes back to bite you. You know, you yeah. have to keep it that competitive edge. So, so learning about the game, definitely a big part of the podcast Um, and getting to talk with people who are big players in the game and getting to share them and their platforms. Um, If you're listening to this and you, you think that you're, you know, someone in the community, you want to have an interview. That's the sort of thing we're super interested in.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you remember one uh, like salient detail from uh, maybe particularly that, that episode that you recorded with the five different players? Like, do you remember one particular detail that really stood out to you from them? Or maybe they had something that they all kind of said, you know? uh... One thing
1: that stood out to me was one of the things that stood out oddly was I expected to go and ask. So one of the questions I asked them is like, okay, it's the pen. It was, this was in the, like the height of the pandemic. This was when we were all in lockdown together. Mm -hmm. And I said, what should we all be doing right now to be better Pokemon players? And I expected them to all say the same thing. And something that really stuck out to me was that they all said different things. Um, One of my favorite things that Isaiah Bradner said was that he goes back and watches like old, uh, like old content, like old tournaments um, Mm. to just learn about the pace of the game and learn about, he is one of the best uh, like sequencers, I think, that I've spoken to and interacted with. Um, and, and that was another thing that people had lots of different strengths. Like someone, uh, one player said, I'm really a deck builder and another, and I forgive me. I don't remember who's, who were saying these exact things. And another player was like, deck building is not actually my like strong suit, but I can take a good deck and then like win a tournament with it. Right. Mm. Um, so the different, the different things they said, but the one a piece of advice that, and that I haven't listened to all that much, although I've watched more is going back and watching content and just really watching games and dissecting what's going on in them. I just think, um, not a lot of us have the attention span to sit and do that. And it's a really valuable skill to to learn or way to to sharpen your skill set.
0: Oh, for sure, completely yeah. agree there. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So, with last question about the Heat Factory podcast, sure, yeah. What's your ultimate goal? What are you looking to to gain? What will you accomplish that will make you you know like, if there is ultimate satisfaction? I mean, I know you say that you you know enjoy kind of the creative process, but right? Right. What? will you feel good about like if you ever have to leave the heat factory podcast, what you, will you feel good about accomplishing? Like what would you like to accomplish before um, that journey is over?
1: That's, that's honestly kind of a hard question for me to answer because I'm process based, but I think that, so this is going to sound silly. Um, we have talked for a long time about making like a really cool sweatshirt or like t-shirt for the heat factory. Yeah, And so the goal is not to, we can do that. But the goal is to, I think if we made sweatshirts or t shirts and got and they and had enough of an audience and enough of a following that people were like really excited to have and wear those, um, that's not like a huge amount of fame. It's like a little bit of fame where like we have people who are like excited to have that logo on them. I think that would be the kind of marker that I would leave and be like, man, that was a really cool thing I did in my life. Like I ran this podcast and we got people excited about us as a brand and as like an entity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need, you know, a million listeners or anything like that. I would love that. Obviously we all would. Um, what about you guys? What if, what's the tag team? Like, what would you walk away with the tag team feeling good about? Is that
0: I'm flipping <sighs> the interview here, but yeah, no, that's great. I feel like we've, uh, from my perspective, we've achieved it. You know, yeah. the, the point of the podcast from my perspective has been to, you know, cause I have, you know, shifted content on YouTube to be a little more casual, not completely um, right. not completely casual, but you know, a little more casual. Cause I think that's how the game grows is like, you have to have an entry point at some yeah, point. Right? And then you get that entry point and you get down into the dark stuff, you know? Right. And I kind of think of tag team as like the dark stuff where it's like the meta analysis and the particular card text and, you know, all the things that relate to, you know, the game on a week by week basis. Right. Uh, and so, you know, in terms of ultimate goals, I think like in terms of the content, what it is, I think it's it's there. I think we've achieved what we've wanted to achieve in terms of like the evolution of the content. That's not to say that we won't continue to grow and add or subtract to make it better, but of course, um, you know where we have it, we feel good about it. And then also, um, I think I I've achieved what I wanted to from uh, from tag team in the sense that you know, like you're saying, you know that kind of fame aspect of of not that we're famous, but like there are people that reliably listen to the podcast so much so that if we don't upload the episode on Wednesday night, people are, I get, you know, five, six, seven, half you know, awesome. a dozen uh, messages that are like, hey, where's the cast? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, totally. uh, we, you know, uh, oh, there was some processing error and it's like, you feel bad about it. But then it's like, oh my <laughs> gosh, there are all these people that are messaging me. Because, yeah, they're relying on you. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's it. It's like, you know, they're like, hey, I, you got me through this day or you got me through an hour of this day and, and you know, thank you yeah. for that. And it's like, wow, So think right.
1: that you're a regular part of someone's week? Yeah. It's like a really cool thing. Like I have my podcasts um, that I listen to every week. You know, I listen to like whatever sports podcasts, et cetera. And that's yeah. a part of my week. Like on Mondays, I listen to sport podcasts. And so to think that your that tag team is a part and, um, you know, I think Heat Factory, we need to be a little more regular um, and getting back in the flow of it, but that we could be a part, a regular part of people's lives. That's, that's a super cool thing to achieve for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's definitely awesome. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: so props on that to you guys.
0: Yeah. Well, future props to you I mean I'm sure yeah. that i'm sure it's already happened but like right you know, right yeah. as you as you get you know more regular and things that that's a huge that's a huge blessing to uh to be a part of somebody's life like that so right let's go now to uh to our card of the day Rob you're gonna take it away for us and uh we're gonna hear from you know about a card that we've never featured on this show before so why don't you go for it rob tell us your card of the day. And, uh, you know, maybe you give a story leading up to the big reveal about kind of what it means to you, either in a competitive or personal sense and why you chose this card.
1: So, uh, when I was, when I was a kid and playing, we were, I was in my, my friend invited me over to his house, Bobby, and Bobby said, I have a new deck. Um, and I want you to bring your best deck and, and bring it. So I brought my little, like, I didn't know that it was called this at the time. I had just sort of made a version of Haymaker over to his his house. And uh he stalled me out through the whole game. And I saw as I was choosing this card, I saw that you had just tweeted recently about how you like you love playing like stall and like little <laughs> decks, right? Um so I chose uh from the jungle set uh Mr. Mime. And this Mr. Mime, it's Mr. Mime um, number, I think so. I've got a blurry picture here, but it's either 8 or 6 out of 64. Uh-huh. Um, and this is the one with a Pokemon Power Invisible Wall. Whenever an attack, including your own, does 30 or more damage to Mr. Mime after applying Weakness Resistance prevent that damage. This, this thing had 40 HP, and you could only hit it for 10 or 20. If you hit it anything more than that, the damage was prevented. Um, this makes a lot of sense in a stall deck, because it's actually really hard. Sometimes if you get all your Pokemon powered up, they all hit for more than that, right? Even That's at right. that time when there was lower HP and on all that kind of stuff.
0: That's right. And I don't know
1: that. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I have kind of a gap in history. I don't know that there's been a a, a pokey power exactly like this since, um, or a, an ability like this since. Um, yeah, I
0: mean, I guess you could look at like the odds or evens, Mister Mime. Yes, yeah. but those it, are, you know, obviously it's not a one to one. Right, right. There's replica. well, there's a
1: tradition of Mister Mime blocking mm-hmm. damage in a weird way, right? Um, and I have frequently wished that there was a card like this in the standard format, although I, it would obviously be overpowered. Now you you would hardly find Pokemon that attack for ten or twenty. Um, but aside from just the cool abil- the cool poke- Pokemon power, uh, the card art is super cool. You've got Mr. Mime kind of holding his hands up, and and there's a golden rings uh, circling behind him. Um, he's doing like I guess like a barrier type move. Sure. Um, And Mr. Mime, one of my favorite Pokemon, I've dressed as Mr. Mime for Halloween, um, which was not my best costume, but it was certainly (laughs) creepy, if nothing else.
0: Well, Um, I I honestly, like, I gotta say, the character of Mr. Mime, like you said, is creepy. It freaks me out. I think it's an abomination of a Pokemon. (laughs) And all you're doing is
1: just fueling my love for it.
0: There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I just like, I, I feel like Pokemon might be a better franchise if Mr. Mime didn't exist. But like, that's, I guess, also the beauty of Pokemon is that they cater to everyone. Yeah. You know, you have your big, strong dragons. You got your, you know, yeah. you got your little bugs and you got your weird human form Pokemon that, again, right. shouldn't exist. It's it's That beautiful. only has
1: four fingers, uh,
0: nonetheless. Yeah. And, and that uh, look like suction cups, like... Yeah, I don't really know
1: what's up with that. Why he's got suction cups, and and he's got his little curly shoes, uh, his red dots, and his weird shoulder pads. So um,
0: yeah, just a lot to hate about it for sure.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but I think I, I'm not kidding though. I like I don't look at Mr. Mime and think, oh wow, that's amazing and blows me away. Like there are Pokemon like that that I really enjoy. You know, uh, it's more of like what is this weird thing, this like uh, this weird outcast of the game doing in the game? You know, um, right. So that's uh, that's my history with Mr Mime and that's my card, um, and you know his move, his second, his attack, meditate did ten damage plus ten more for each damage counter on the defending Pokemon. So some relevance there, but really, really fun for like a stall deck where you're just trying to get your your opponent to run out of cards.
0: That's right. That's absolutely correct. And one thing about Mr Mime that I can appreciate is that he's very smooth, as will your Pokemon. Pokeballs be after you get Manscaped products. So do you know what's spookier than seeing a Gengar on Halloween? It is not shaving your master balls with anything other than Manscaped products. When it comes to below the waist grooming, there is no need to carve your pump this Halloween because Manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience. Go from an Ekans to an Arbok and join the 2 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code TAG TEAM. So let's be honest, guys, if you're anything like me, you've put exactly $0 into self-care other than a two-in-one shampoo. That's right, I'm calling <laughs> you guys out. That's me for sure. And a packet of dollar store disposable razors. And so I struggle for years with inconsistency and injuries trying to shave myself. So let me help you change that. Love yourself, love your body. And give Manscaped a shot. That's manscaped.com with code Tag Team, 20% off free shipping. Manscaped.com, code Tag Team, And make your Cherubis happy. Excellent. Thank you, Rob, for enduring that. <laughs> oh, uh,
1: there is no need to thank. Uh, not going to lie, uh, talking about goals in a podcast. Having a sponsor is super cool and a really cool sponsor. So,
0: <laughs> Yes, um, yes. Thank you so much. You too. guys
1: do well with the readouts.
0: Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring Tag Team, and uh, uh, they have, yeah, been been a great sponsor here over the next, uh, you know, the last month, and and hopefully many more months to come. So, Rob, I want to ask you now about some tips and tricks for the kind of variety of players that might be listening to this cast right now. You know, we Definitely. get a lot of competitive players, uh, but we also get a lot of players you know, that are that are just beginning their journey into competitive play. I've talked to so many people that uh, listen to the cast or I've met them in person and they are just getting into the game uh, and they've just gotten into the game over the pandemic. And so they're yeah. really excited for what it would mean for them to go to an in-person tournament and, you know, see what that's all about, right? They've never been to a League Cup. They've never been to a regional or a Worlds or anything like that. Uh, so I want to ask you some some questions just I know you've been playing a long time I know you've been playing competitively a long time and it's just always good to get these new perspectives on what you know you might be able to offer to a new player, a season player, person trying to get their worlds invite. So, what would you say Rob to a season player that is, you know, they're hearing, "Hey, we got competitive events possibly coming back as soon as January in the United States?" What would you say to them right now in terms of getting prepared for that season? Could be monetary considerations could be, uh, you know, from a playing perspective. What's some advice that you have?
1: Yeah, this season's gonna be strange too because of the way that some people are gonna start with points and some aren't. So maybe a little different, but I think the first thing I would do is I would go back, a lot of us uh, playing online as you well know and all of us who've who've gone through it well know is an incredibly different experience from playing in person. Um, Pull your cards back out, make sure that you're shuffling well, Uh, Make sure that you and play some IRL games. If that means you have to get on with your homie and do it over the, uh, you know, over Skype or Zoom or whatever program you use, Um, play those IRL games. Make sure that you're checking your prizes. Make sure that you know every card in your deck. uh, Make sure that you're calculating the, you know, sort of simple odds that you need to calculate in your head. And get used to those skills. One of the hardest things for me about playing online, and I think I've heard you talk about this before, uh, JW, is that. Uh, when I am playing online, it is so easy to go on autopilot and let the game, yep. like, run itself and let the game just, like, draw your seven cards and to forget the, like, little text that might make might make you lose the game, right? Yep. To, like, involve to Drizile and not remember that you can't then retreat because you have, like, the um, stadium that allows Rapid Strikes to retreat the tower. Sure, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those kind of mistakes are so easy to make. Uh, when you're on autopilot and playing online, really lends itself to autopilot. So get off of autopilot, get back, you know, into the physicality of the game, and uh, practice, you know, shuffling, drawing, and playing real games. I think that would be the very first thing I would do, um, and I would start doing that as soon as you can. Uh, I think yeah. that will make a huge difference. And I think you're gonna see in like the first uh, tournaments, be it regionals or whatever, you're gonna see those players who kind of rest on their laurels and have been playing online. Um, Come to those tournaments and feel like, oh my gosh, this is weird. It doesn't feel, you know, I haven't done this in a while. Um, before the most recent set, before Tag Team had, um, not Tag Team, excuse me, Tricky Jim had the tournament um, mm-hmm. at Full Grip for this rotation. Uh, I was playing some camera games with, um, like, uh, with uh, a couple friends who went to that tournament, and it was like, whoa, playing, playing. First off, it's so fun in a different way, yeah. but also you get rusty, man. It, it happens.
0: It absolutely does. Yeah. I found myself during that whole um, event just kind of playing cards and it it just felt a little just, I don't know how to describe it really other than awkward. Like it was like, I was playing things down and, and retreating and it like didn't quite feel right. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but it was like, yeah, I hadn't actually played with physical cards for, you know, this was the longest period of time since I've been playing competitively that I hadn't actually played with physical cards.
1: Well, and if you plop your fifty dollars or sixty or seventy, whatever it's going to be for a regional, and you show up to a regional, and that's how you feel, you don't want that to be your first experience. You know, you want it to be smooth, um, to feel like routine. So that would that would be my first first tip, um, for the sort of seasoned player. The other thing is, I would go back, log in, make sure your account looks good, make sure you know how many points you have, and and as soon as we sort of figure out the point structure, that was one thing I was always super on top of when I was chasing worlds. Was like. How many points do I need? How many events do I need to get there? Mm. Uh, how many events do I know that I'm just going to like, look, I I don't think any of us go to every League Cup, the, even the best of us, and just get top eight every time, um, unless you live in sort of an isolated area where there's, you know, your League Cups are small or whatever. Um, yeah. I really have to plan for my league cups and plan to fail at some and plan to learn from those failures. So start mapping out ahead of time. Like, okay, what's my game plan. And remember that world is in London. Like that's going to be a, a money investment um, right. to get to London. So uh, start whatever savings that looks, if you need to, you know, um, cut back a little bit or not buy every single card and, and start putting aside a little bit for London, like make sure that you can go. Um, Cause that's a big financial consideration just to get over there.
0: Yeah. Oh, it sure is. It sure is. Yeah, that's huge. Um, So you talk a little bit about kind of mapping your route. I think that's a really big thing for players to do. Uh, Walk us through how you do that Mm -hmm. and what are your considerations? Like when you're saying, okay, I have to earn X number of points from League Cups. You know, what is that X number of points? And again, let's just hypothesize that it was, you know, we're starting from zero as if it was... season that got canceled halfway through Um, yeah but you're hypothesizing okay i need this many league cups to reasonably achieve you know this amount of points and then i need to spike a tournament maybe a regionals or something like how do you conceptualize that so at the beginning of a
1: season assuming assuming we're starting from the beginning of a season the first thing i did all the time was i looked at the regionals and say okay how many of these regionals can i reasonably make it to lots of considerations for that for me personally, uh, finance being one driving or flying distance being another affordability. And also for me, uh, I'm a married man and have three kids. So how much can I get away being away from my wife and kids? And that changed once I had more kids, um, it was fewer of events. So I think for me, I would go to, to my wife and say, Hey, here are the events for the year. How many regionals can I make? And, Based on that, I could usually get a pretty good idea. Um, I think having a, a self-awareness, like I know that I'm not somebody who's going to go to a regionals. I'm not saying it'll never happen. It's a goal, obviously. But when I was chasing worlds, I was usually not going to go to regionals and top four it, you know, or top eight it. Right. However, uh, I'd say, I don't know, five out of eight of them, I would probably get uh, day twos and and probably two of those I'd get top 32 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Knowing that I could sort of put a number on like, okay, well, that's X amount of points. So then what do I need to hit every quarter in League Cups and League Challenges? Um right. I'll say this: don't skip out on the league challenges, man. Like no. I have I have I know people who just like uh there's a player, and I'm not gonna call this person out who went to a regionals and got a really high finish. Um, or it wasn't a regionals, it was a um a, like an intercontinental. Mm-hmm. And Got a really high finish and then, but it was it was like the last one before worlds and didn't make it because they just hadn't played like a league challenge. Like it was like that much of a difference. Um and so make sure you're hitting those league challenges, make sure you you know when they are, you know, make sure you know the stores in your area and like what your radius is, right? So when I was in Canton, I knew that Mm. like Columbus was kind of the far edge of Columbus and Pittsburgh were kind of the far edge, and if you drew a circle. Around sure. those two places, I could hit any of the cups and challenges reasonably in mm-hmm. that distance. Um, and, and I also think like, look, I'm a big proponent of gaming the system and don't think of it as gaming the system. And I'm not saying cheating by any <laughs> What I'm saying is if you know there's a League Cup out of, you know, Podunk Towns, to wherever, yeah. um, if, you, if it's going to take you an extra hour, but you don't have to go to three League Cups next to home. Um, first off, you're supporting the store and the people there. And I always try to buy stuff from the store when I go there. And second off, like you might have a little bit better of a chance to win. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
0: Sure. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I also find you're talking about radius. Yeah. I also find that some of these events aren't very well publicized. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've also found that, but it's like, there are some events where you really will only know about them if you're on the Facebook page of the event, you know, store or organizer or whatever it is. And so um, you know, that would be another thing as you talk about radius is like, know your radius, but then also be on in all these Facebook groups so that you get the notifications of, you know, Hey, they canceled the tournament or they added a tournament or, right. you know, cause sometimes they just don't publicize those things. And it's, it's kind of frustrating, but, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. So, no,
1: and I think a lot of pl- uh, stores are migrating to discord, discord, and Facebook, but uh, yes. be in your discord, um, yes. be an active participant. And, and like, I don't think it hurts, you know, be an active participant in the store. Make sure they know who you are. Um, being comfortable in a store, man, that makes a huge difference. I So uh, wife's family's from Philadelphia area. And occasionally mm-hmm. when we were out there on vacation, I'd go try to hit up like a league cup there. And it was so weird being like the the person, nobody knew who I was. And um, the outsider gets in the top eight and everybody's kind of looking at funny. And just that like little pressure sometimes was like not as fun and, and made it harder to perform than it was, you um, at like the locals, so, so I do think it's good to know your store owners, um, know the details of the store, when they're open, uh, how many people usually show up, and and if you can know the players who show up and what kind of decks they like to play, all the better,
0: right? So, sure, sure. Yeah. Comfortability is huge. Yeah. So what would you say for maybe a newer uh, a newer player that is like never gone before? I mean, we're talking about routing, but. Right. routing to worlds maybe that's not even their goal maybe it's just to play in events you know yeah. play in a few events like what's some advice that you would have to to a newer player that's like i'm not you know maybe they're not even sure that they necessarily want to go to in person yeah. or they're scared about that you know they're, they're not sure what to expect like what are what are some things you would say to a player that's never played before in a competitive sphere
1: i do think that's the first thing you should do is is start with your local store league challenge um go to the league challenge um, Try to try to go with a friend or meet somebody there ahead of time, and make sure you have the rules down. Um, the timing, like play some timed games ahead of time, um, where you you know if you're going too slowly. So I appreciated this at the time. I appreciated this now, but I didn't super at the time. My first league challenge I ever went to, I was playing a deck, and I was playing against a deck that was like uh, manipulating my hand a lot and really messing with the flow of of the way that my deck engineered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made the game really hard. And I was playing slowly, and my opponent was, like, really nagging me to play faster. Um, but I was playing incredibly slow. Not on purpose, just because I didn't know better. Um, so, like, learn those things. Learn how to shuffle properly. Learn as many of the rules ahead of time and practice those things ahead of time. Go to your, your locals. Um, take the time to meet the people there. And um, just get used to the pace of a tournament because that can be a real, like, you know, send you to, to the back of your seat if you're not used to it. Right. Um, right. And, and then the other thing is if you're a new player who's okay, I've got those things down, but I want to start seeing success. I'm gonna quote Owen and and a phrase that Owen said to me when so Owen maybe was a little well known at some point, and he would admit this: that he loved to go to league challenges and just like dominate all the new players for a while. Um, and like and because and he was a you know, somewhat accomplished player at that time and, and knew yeah. enough about the game to just go to locals and dominate. And he was doing this to me when I first started playing, and it was kind of frustrating me. And I said, man, like, what do I got to do? And he's like, be lame, win game, was the thing he said to me. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're trying to play all these decks that you're making up. Um, just go find the top meta deck, uh, you know, shell out the dollars for the one top meta deck and play that in a couple of tournaments and see how it be lame. Don't try to, like, reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. um that's a good advice i think for some seasoned players who are looking for success like yeah there are times where you'll find that anti-meta deck um that works and is really good um but most of us aren't going to be like toward Recklev and be able to like turn the meta on its head when we go to every tournament most of us are going to have to pick up you know the the top two or three decks and learn how mm-hmm. to play those really well learn how to play a top deck really well and start taking those to challenges and cups, and you'll find really quickly that. And I have trouble following this because I'm like to be inventive and create decks and stuff. Um, but that's going to be a huge boon, uh, boon for you in sure. the long run is just learning to play the good decks, understanding the meta, and then if you want to go back and make those sure. those decks that go against the meta, you understand the meta better. You understand how to right. beat the decks that you're that you need to beat.
0: I absolutely agree. I think some people get a little too lost in the sauce or they're trying to come up with a deck that counters everything that they could possibly see yeah. when in reality, it's like even when you go to regionals and stuff, you could, you could try to do that. And the chances of you hitting into that matchup, you know, that you're so worried about that you're over teching for that you're building, you know, the deck around are like sometimes very minimal, you know, yeah. it, it's pretty crazy how much people can really, you know, go against maybe the the natural rules of deck building, you know, keep it yeah. kind of straightforward and simple and consistent to try yeah. to over-attack or over-manage uh, for all these other decks. So that's good. The advice. irony of what
1: you said is that um, the deck that the, usually the deck that counters all the decks is the number one deck, right? Like
0: <laughs> it wouldn't that's... be number one if it wasn't, you know, right, and that's not to things. say
1: that people don't find decks, and, and you know, I've seen you do it yep. with some of your stall decks, I've seen lots of players do it that, that do counter a lot of things, and and I'm not saying don't be inventive and don't build those decks, like, I'm actually a fan of, like, build every deck that you have time for and try mm-hmm. them, but it is to say that the top decks are top decks for a reason, right? Like, single strike Shifu with Umbreon right now, it counters most things, and it counters it because of its power, and it's not, like, maybe the flashiest deck in the, well, it's flashy, but it's maybe not the most, like, sauciest deck in the world, mm-hmm. But sure. it works.
0: Sure. Absolutely. So what would you say to a player with a kid or with multiple kids that's trying to make their, uh, you know, presence felt on the competitive scene? What would you say to them that has to juggle those finances like and has yeah. to juggle cards? You know, they want to play good decks and they also want their kids to play good decks. Like what, what's yeah. some advice you'd have for them?
1: So in terms of finances, the first thing I would say is like, bring your kid to stuff. Um, if you have a junior player, bring your kid to stuff and and make your kid not get attached to the stuff that they win. I'm not saying don't let them keep any of their winnings, um, but explain to them, hey, like, you're a junior player. You're going to win a lot of prizing because often junior player events just aren't filled as much as masters or seniors. Um, and so you're going to win stuff like playmats. And like, yeah, we're going to keep some of those, but sometimes we're going to have to put those back into the game. And that means putting, putting them up on eBay and selling them. Um, I'm a big proponent of like, use the stuff you make. Like, yes, obviously, if you win a tournament, you get financial rewards, but sometimes your rewards aren't financial. They're packs or their cards or their mats. And yes, keep some of that stuff. Keep your trophies. But if you can part with it, I think you have to resell stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to play for not just one player, but two players, if you need finances to do it, I think you're going to have to be honest with your kid and say, and get them involved with the process. Like teach them some financial responsibility in this way. Um, As soon as my kids start to play and get involved, um, with this stuff, I'm going to be doing this with them where I'm going to say, Hey, you won three mats and you're not, you don't need them. Um, right. let's, let's list one of those and let's teach you how to do it. And, um, let's, you know, make a little bit more money so that we can then enter you into another two or three tournaments.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, or you say, Hey, this is, you know, you want a box, right. For just showing up to an event. Sorry. There's a dad tax. You yeah. To, you know, be play the government role. Just I'm a big, uh,
1: I'm a big fan of the dad tax in all aspects of Well, the- Halloween's coming up. I know yeah, that was man. my
0: my dad's favorite dad tax, uh, you know, yeah. investment there. So, cool. Yeah. Well, very good. Huh. So, uh, yeah, any other any other closing uh pieces of advice that uh that you would give to to any player, Rob, as they're looking to get back into competitive?
1: Yeah, hang in there. Um, I'm a big proponent of getting the vaccine in order that you can play. I know you guys talked about that on your last pod. Get mm-hmm. the vaccine, hang in there. Um, and and don't forget to make it fun for yourself, whatever that looks, whatever amount of playing or whatever level it is for you. Uh, don't forget that the reason why we all come to this game is because we want to enjoy ourselves. And uh, so don't lose sight of that.
0: Absolutely. Well, great. It was so nice to have you on, Rob. Super uh, any, nice
1: to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Any shout outs or any plugs that you want to give? Of course, Heat Factory Podcast. Uh, you guys should go check that out if you haven't. Uh, anything else you want to... Gonna plug or or say? Yeah, yourself follow us on cast? Twitter.
1: We're at Heat Factory Pod on Twitter, and I think Owen does really good with the contact uh, with the content there. Uh, you can follow me. I'm at Rob the Poet on Twitter, um, and I post about poetry, Pokemon, whatever comes to mind there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, keep keep listening to Tag Team Weekly because you guys do a really good job. Um, with your content. And, uh, we appreciate any listeners we get from this and we appreciate the opportunity to be on here. So
0: yeah, it's really that. great to have you, Rob. And, uh, well, hopefully, you know, talk to you soon. I mean, don't, yeah, don't be a stranger, of course, you know, it'd, it'd be great to, like I said earlier, it'd be great to grab a beer at our, at our first regionals of the season, you know, in, yeah. in four months or something. So
1: <laughs> definitely looking forward to it, and uh, definitely shout out to Riley, who I uh, would have loved to talk to you tonight, and have talked to in the past, obviously. But I uh, yeah. hope he's doing well, and hope everything's going well with the job tonight. So
0: great. Well, thank you guys all so much for listening. It's been a pleasure, Rob. Uh, we will catch you next week, same time, same place. If you want to see us live, twitch.tv slash Munner. Normally, we're on you know my channel, Flex Daddy Righteous, right now. But you can also uh, find our stuff over on our YouTube channel. Tag Team Pokemon Podcast. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter. That's at Smiles with Riles uh, for Riley Hulbert. That's at Real John Walter for myself and at Tag Team Pokemon for the cast. We look forward to providing you more great content in weeks to come. And that's going to be all for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you soon.